views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. everybody welcome super welcome welcome to the show it's so great to have you guys here thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on we've got a great lineup for you all today i'm so thrilled we are going to get to talk with uh greg lavoy joining me here in a minute vital signs uh the nature and the nurture of passion i love that the nature and the nurture of passion oh Practice that, Benny. Mr. Benny, how are you today? Doing well. I don't have as much resonance with passion as much as you do, <laughs> but we'll, we'll do our best. We are going to do our best because we're going to be talking to Greg about it. So what a great show. Thank you all for all of your emails. Yes, we are in the process of showing you our new look. Uh, pretty soon you'll see new websites, but that's going to take, I don't know that we're going to get it done by Valentine's Day. So just hang in there. You know, when technology is being cultivated, when it's being nurtured from a passionate point of view of what the ideas was, we're just going to let it take on a life of its own. Greg Lavoie joining me here today is the author of Vital Signs, the author of the book I have in front of me. Of course, we're going to be giving a copy of that away. But, you know, best-selling books, callings, uh, and, you know, he is somebody that has been out into the world, you know, being able to talk about what he is passionate about, you know, whether it is as a professor of journalism, whether it's somebody that's appearing on ABC, CNN, whatever it is, you know, he gets to show up as his full and complete self. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, Benny, about the folks that I've gotten to talk with in, you know, the past, what, 13 years of doing this. I love it every minute. Somebody asked me the other day, aren't you like getting tired of it? No, because, you know, my purpose, my reason for starting this was so that I could shine the light on people that have come forth and have said, look, we can help you understand the life you're having now. And create a life that is so epic in its nature, so juicy in its dailiness, that this is what gets me motivated every day. This is where I come from to say, yeah, and we're going to provide everybody with more. But what is the question that we have to ask ourselves of? We're creeping up on mm, that heart day, of course, that's coming. What are some of the questions? You know, have you ever truly felt love in your life? Do you remember when that is? Do you know what it looks like? You know, what is it that you would be willing to do to risk to have that feeling back? You know, or are you settling 
for other things? Are you settling for the idea of security? Are you settling in life? Well, we're going to talk about that and a lot more because in the book, Vital Signs, and honestly, I'm just going to tell everyone right now, there's so much in this book that we're probably not going to chat about because it is a juicy one. It is the juiciness of what we needed to know. Greg, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Great. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So I want to ask you a question. You know, I, I love to talk with folks about what they write about, what they come, come to the table with. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question. What are some of the challenges and obstacles, you know, that you've had in your life as you're exploring vital signs? Oh, boy. Yeah. Where, do, where does one begin? Yeah, anywhere, uh, you want. anywhere you want. Well, let me see. Some of the challenges. Well, you know, you, had, you just alluded to the term settling. Yeah. Um, and how, how easy it is to settle for less. And uh, I think of the, one of the primary dynamics that I've dealt with personally and seen and interviewed people about and lived with and grew up with is this dynamic between passion and security. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really one of the central issues for people in creating a life that's, that's passionate and vital is... And so I look back at my childhood, for instance, and this is really, of course, the genesis of a lot of my work. Um, And I see, for instance, two parents, neither of whom did what they really wanted to do with their lives and chose the secure route rather than the passionate route. And so just being a a naturally observant kid, I watched what that did Mm. and how that unfolded. So I got a, uh, a, a very personal education in what can happen when people choose as they usually do when it comes to the choice between passion and security, security tends to win, and wow. passion tends to get backburnered. And I just got wow. an object lesson in what, what happens in people's lives and in families and um, the dynamics between parents and children when that's what's going on in the house. Wow. So, you know, let's talk about that for a minute, because, you know, when security wins, then I, I, I guess, you know, you do talk about this in the book, but when security wins, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really coming here to say good, bad, or indifferent, but when security wins, is it fear-based that we make those decisions? Well, I think a lot of it is fear-based. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, this isn't to say that security is all fear-based, because I'm a big believer I- in security as well. Right. You know, whether it's uh, a regular paycheck and money in the bank, or whether it's the security of of having loving relationships around you, um, having other people's support. So I'm, I'm not right. suggesting that security is bad, passion is good. I think they're both good. It's just that when you put them on a scale, security tends to weigh down one side pretty heavily in most people's lives, and especially when we're living in a sort of a code orange world, you know, uh, just came out of years of a great recession. Yeah. So it's natural for people to want to bat in the hatches, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that, uh, you know who I think of? I think of Abraham Maslow. You know who that is? Yes, I do know who that is. He's the guy, yeah, the guy who did the hierarchy of needs pyramid where at the okay. bottom, food, clothing, and shelter, and at the top, self-actualization, et cetera. Um, yep. he, being the guy who coined the term self-actualization, he said that self-actualizing types are those who make the growth choice over the fear choice a dozen times a day. Now, that's mm-hmm. a bar set pretty high. But, the, you know, the point is, in order to have this kind of self-actualizing, vital, authentic life, 
people need to be choosing passion uh, alongside security and routinely as a regular practice, not as a once and for all kind of a thing. Well, you know, let's talk about this, you know, in terms of, um, you know, coming to that place where we can be we can feel completely full, you know, completely filled up with joy, with love, you know, some of the questions that you talk about in the book. And I know you do. I mean, I I was really struck by the conversation about settling for less. And I want to talk about that for a minute, because it's something that I really get and I've seen. But my my nature is it's so counter to who I am, you know, and I've tried it. I've really tried it, especially in my work career, my corporate career. You know, settling for that less thing that I think. Uh, and, you know, I want to talk about that dynamic of that and, and how it shows up in the nature versus nurture. What is the essence of that? What is that that goes on? Is that security? Is that where we settle for less? Because it, it kind of seems counterintuitive to me, but maybe I'm just different. Well, you know, this is that really security is a great question. Mm. Um, this this might this might be an interesting thing to insert right here. I once um, compared the language that we use to describe money and the language that we use to describe relationships. Mm. And the two, the two are so strikingly similar. Um, I mean, think about it. We talk about bonds, shares, trusts, <laughs> maturity, appreciation, security, support, uh, advances, we call the stuff tender, penalty for early withdrawal, whatever. Mm. You know, I mean, the list, what it said to me is that um, obviously money is incredibly emotional. And what I did with that personally was that I did an experiment. For a period of time, I tried to give myself the real thing, right? So I looked at, rather than just money, um, I looked at how can I strengthen my bonds with people? How can I share myself more authentic, authentically with people? Um, how can I genuinely support myself? You know, I just took each one of these words and I looked at what is, how would I give myself sort of the, the, the real emotional deal with these things rather than looking to money to give me a sense of security, which it will never do, no matter how much security I think people have in their lives, it's not, for one thing, ever going to compensate them for giving up their soul and giving up their passions. I mean, it'll allow us to suffer in nicer surroundings, sure. <laughs> you know, work off, work off our frustrations with better recreational equipment or something. Right. But, but in a sense, in a sense, it's not the real thing. Mm-hmm. The real thing is the real thing. Mm. You know, and I, I love what you said. I mean, it, it is really experience the pain and the suffering uh, in a multimillion-dollar mansion. And there are some people that would look at that, especially in terms of relationships and what we're willing to do or not do. You know, are we willing to open up our hearts? Uh, you said something interesting I want to chat with you about when we come back. For those of you just tuning in, Greg Lavoy is joining me here today, Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion. And when I talk with you about something, a friend of mine who does another radio show nationally said to me, you know, when are you going to do a show on divorce? I said, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I've never done a show specifically on divorce, except when it had to do with new beginnings. He said, well, 
you know, I remember you a couple years ago. He says, you made a prediction that the divorce rate was going to just when the economy got better, you are going to see very interesting things happen. And I said, you know, I haven't kept track of it. But what is it about love? What is it about settling? What is it about nurture and nature that either is going to fuel the passion or not? And how do we decide when to hold them or when to fold them? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. My very special guest joining me here today, Greg Lavoy. You're the light. You're the night. You're the color of my blood. You're the cure. You're the pain. You're the only thing I want to touch. Never knew that it could mean so much. Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Do you want to transform your life's trauma and challenges into the gift that your life was meant to be? It's time for you to take control of your soul journey to heal, grow, and shine. Manifest your destiny with Wendy Wolf, soul transformer, energy, and psychic healer. To start your soul journey, contact Wendy at healgrowshine.com or email Wendy at wendy at wendyrwolf.com and start your adventure today. Sky Siegel co-hosts one of today's most popular psychic shows, Angels and Answers, with Artie Hoffman as she communicates healing messages from the spirit world. These messages can be astounding, enlightening, and life-changing. Born with the God-given talent of inner guidance and the amazing ability to heal, Sky has healed thousands of people. Schedule a reading with Sky now. Call 908-500-1474 and visit skyofangels.com. Tune in to Sheer Alchemy with Leslie Fontaine on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get ready to stir up your passions, remove your blocks, and shift into an entirely new existence. Speaker, teacher, channel, clairvoyant, Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst who channels a powerful energy from source to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show dates and times and LeslieFontaine.com to say yes to explosive abundance. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellness1.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellness1.net. The fear, I don't care, cause I've never been so high. 
everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Greg Lavoie joining me here today talking about, you know, the book Vital Signs. And there's a lot in this book uh, that we're, you know, we're, we're going to try to chat about. You know, Greg, before we do, can you let folks know the best way to find out more about you and to get a copy of the book? Sure. I mean, I, any more, you know, www.greglavoie.com is world headquarters. So it's really my website has all that information, my speaking schedule, and everything else on it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, comment before the break about divorce rates. You know, this show is not about that, really. But it is about the, you know, as you say, questing the happiness of pursuit. And, mm-hmm. and also what I like, you know, call of the wild. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk with you a little bit about, you know, have we in our love relationships, in our relationships uh, in general, have we gotten to a place of complacency or is it that old, you know, security, safety blanket kind of deal? What, what's your take on it? Oh, boy. Um, I think that, you know, this is one of the things you hear a lot about, of course, in yeah. relationship to relationship is the, the people lamenting the loss of passion and vitality and uh, engagement with one another. And, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to watch soulmates turn into stalemates, you know, I'm sure everybody's been there at some point or another. And, uh, you know, I think this is a natural, one of the natural things that people have to deal with in relationship is how do you keep stirring it? How do you keep it um, moving, literally, figuratively? And uh, it's just terribly easy to, to um, let the, the passion in a relationship just drain away. And, you know, in a sense, it, it is a naturally depleting resource if you don't continue to uh, replete it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, a clock is going to wind down eventually unless you rewind the thing. So I think it takes vigilance, and I think it takes diligence and a desire to to want that those components back in the relationship. Otherwise, it is just going to fade, and you're going to end up leading parallel lives. Um, but uh, so I think it's it's essential to to keep bringing some novelty into relationship, um, keep learning new things, and bringing it back into the relationship. Just find ways of continually bringing this back in. Otherwise, it it is going to fade. You know, how, how, how much are we influenced by our pop culture, especially in terms of love and romance and passion? You know, how, what, what role does our pop culture play? Ooh, I would um, venture to guess a lot, especially in the Internet age where people's attention span is getting shorter and shorter. And, you know, it's a kind of a TV mindset where things happen fast and they're exciting and everything wraps up in 30 minutes or an hour. Um, I mean, I think I remember listening to a, an advertisement years ago. This is the Motorola company pitching their new cell phones, and they coined the term micro-boredom. Mm. And all the newspapers picked it up, and it was a, a interesting cultural discussion there for a while. And micro-boredom is this apparently insufferable moments of, of um, boredom that strike people when they're waiting online at the bank, you know, sitting in traffic in their daily commute, uh, waiting in the doctor's office. And uh, apparently we have less and less ability to tolerate these little moments of boredom. And I think this, this is certainly going to leak into people's relationships, that if it's not happening fast and, you know, um, jump cuts and uh, breaks for commercial, yeah. it's, it's just going to, things are going to fade. I remember seeing little tiny TV sets installed above gas pumps, and I've seen them above 
criminals. I have two. I have two. I mean, it is really what. So, and in grocery stores, right? Have you seen them in the grocery stores? Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that must be us out here. We got them in the grocery stores. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, here's the question. Is that because we are bored? Is that because, you know, we don't know what to say? Is that because we're in a hurry? You know, I, I was in a grocery store. I, I'm from the East Coast, actually, and I don't think you knew that. I grew up on the yeah, East Coast. Yeah, I could tell by your accent. Yeah, a little bit, right? Uh, and I, I go back because my best friend's there, family. And I go back. I go to grocery store, right? And so, you know, we're at the deli counter. And, you know, I'm Italian. So I get to talk with people about the Italian deli food that's there because I don't see a lot of it here. And so you take a ticket. You come up, right? And I want to chat with them. I want to mm. ask them about this stuff. And, you know, I could see my friend just getting into a hot flash because my chit-chatting is creating a crowd behind me. Ah. A crowd behind me. Yeah. You know, is that really a consequence of the world we live in today? I mean, are we in a rush to brush up against passion but not experience it, touch upon love but not get fulfilled with it? Are, are we really at that place where uh, setting has taken a new level? Oh, boy. I mean, I know that we love to talk about passion uh, and vitality, but when it comes to, you know, having somebody standing in front of you at the grocery store, deli counter, um, <laughs> creating a, a moment of passion with an actual live human being and creating rapport and community and uh, connection, all of which are parts of living passionately, it's irritating. Because we just <laughs> want to get on with our business and we want to get moving and... Yeah, there's a, a sense of there are definitely things we have lost in coming of age, this culture. And uh, some of the, you know, the time that it takes to cultivate these kinds of things, both within our own selves and between people, um, we just don't take the time anymore. And it does take time. I want to ask you, yeah, I want to ask you this question, too. You know, people would say, oh, that's just a chick thing. That's you. That's just oh. a I don't think so, though, Greg. What's your take on it? Well, it certainly isn't true for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I just I just love creating those kind of moments in my own life. I love taking the time to, to look and to wonder and to be in awe and gratitude and connection with people. And, I mean, call it chick stuff if you want, but <laughs> it, it certainly relates to me. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm concerned when I see... You know, here's another little cultural tidbit is Facebook rather mm -hmm. than FaceTime. I don't know. It's like you have 1,700 friends, but is there anybody you could actually call in a crisis? Wow. You know, what, what is the, I mean, I get it in some ways that the, the Internet creates connections that people didn't have before and, and all that. But, you know, you kind of got to wonder about the state of people's relationships when uh, when they have they consider 1700 people friends i don't know these are just questions that i have well the questions I, that i have but let's answer your question you know in terms of how many of those people can you call in in case of an emergency and right. i'll tell you you know i've had a best friend since 1973 i'm mm. very fortunate i honor that friendship and that relationship you know second to my relationship with my higher power i really uh -huh. do uh-huh because I think it's a lost art. 
you know, and, and someone asked me, and, you know, especially after reading your book, I really had to look at this and think, okay, what is it about our relationship that keeps me absolutely completely engaged, completely mm. at that same place of BFF, right, that we can well, do that BFF thing? Well, what would you come up with? Well, I came up with a couple things, and hopefully we can talk about it when we come back from break. But I came up with, it isn't the times that we have spent together, you know, over these many years where the juiciness happens, right? Where, where scoring touchdowns, uh-oh, I didn't say, just say that. Uh, but it, it's all the other times, the passing of my sister, the passing of my mother, the, the passing of her mother, you know, the times, the downsizings we, we went through, my downsizing, her downsizing, those times, those challenges that we were able to be there, even when we didn't agree with each other mm. about the decisions we made, but we were there. And I don't know how you do that on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, do I don't think you really do. Yeah. Not the level of connection you just described. No, uh, but I want to say, isn't that what we're talking about when we're talking about that vitality and passion for life? Let's take a short break. And I want to hear from you about that because some people say we will never get it back. I don't believe that. I don't believe that, Greg. But I would love to hear from you because what you're writing about in this book says not to lose hope. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back and then we'll give a copy of the book away. Vital signs, everybody. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. Negative self-talk plays a major role in how we create fear and anxiety. You're probably familiar with that worried, insecure, or critical voice that rises from somewhere deep inside, often at the most inopportune moments. You don't seem to choose the limiting, anxiety-triggering, or self-sabotaging thoughts, nor do you seem to be in control of them. Over the years, I've found that rather than ignoring or suppressing these negative thoughts, what works best is to redirect the mind with at least three counterbalancing arguments that shed light on the opposite, positive points of view. For example, if your negative thought was something bad will happen, counterbalances could be, right now I'm okay. There have been many times I was worried and everything turned out well. I have the strengths and abilities to handle anything that comes my way. Positive counterbalancing is training your mind to search for and find uplifting and empowering perspectives for any given situation. Naturopathic doctor, founder of the Martha's Vineyard Holistic Retreat, and author of the New York Times bestseller, 21 Pounds in 21 Days, Dr. Ronnie Deleuze has helped tens of thousands of people, including celebrities and athletes, with her message of lifestyle change. Now, Dr. Ronnie Deleuze wants to help you. You, too, can be saved. Email Dr. Ronnie Deleuze at info at ronniedeleuzeonradio.com and visit mvholisticretreat.com. Dr. Ronnie Deleuze, your partner in wellness. 
called the Oprah of Radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Vasily is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit the drpatshow.com. That's T H E D R patshow.com for listening times in your area. Hi, this is David Zarza and Philip Zarza, and we're the Sophisticated Guys. And we're here with your tip of the week. Feeling drained or wiped out too early during the day? Your body and mind are communicating with you. This week's Sophisticated Tip of the Week is to help you get more focused, refreshed, and energized whenever you need. Here's how. Dedicate two times during your day, in the morning and afternoon, to take five minutes to close your eyes and breathe deeply. After five minutes of this, you'll notice how much more alert and present you become. Get your edge on. This technique works wherever and whenever you'd like, just not while driving. Learn more or schedule a session by visiting GetSophisticated.com. That's get S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com and call 206-420-8660. Once again, that's 206-420-8660. Welcome back. Welcome back. Greg Lavoie joining me here today. This is an incredible book for those of you out there. You know, it it took me a a lot longer to get through than most of the books because it is so beautifully written in terms of not just talking at conceptual things, but giving real time, real examples, real expression of how reactions are to various things we experience in life. You know, so for me, it was really a pleasure to read it. And, you know, it was one of those things where you got to be at some of the some of you got to be at the place that some of the people were at. You know, you got to be when, you know, when when Greg's talking about Deborah's anti-emotional attitude, you really got it. You really got what that was about. Anti-emotional attitude. I love that. Anti-emotional attitude. I wrote that thing down, Greg. Emotional attitude. It was kind of like, wow. But isn't that what we were just talking about, right? You know, isn't that what we were talking about? In, and I want to ask you, are we going to lose, if you had to do a little prediction, are we going to lose the art of building absolutely strong friendships because of technology or because of needing to move fast through life, can it be accomplished in our social media of today? Ooh, boy, that's <laughs> tough. That's a tough one to call. It, you know, the signs don't look particularly promising. It seems like it's, <laughs> you know, in the internet age, it's just it's going faster and getting more sound bitey, and um, people's attention span seems to be getting shorter and shorter. Um, mm. So it, it's, a, it's a concern of mine, frankly, uh, you know. But on the other hand, I just ran across a statistic a day or two ago in the newspaper that said that uh, hardcover and paperback books by far outsell e-books. And um, e-books represent about 25% of the, the market. And that, to me, is a, 
is a good sign. It's like people are still hanging on to the good old-fashioned, um, you know, human uh, predilection for books right. and, uh, you know, old-fashioned pa- paper books. And maybe it's not as good for the environment, I grant you that. But uh, um, still, people are hanging on to this. And I hope the same thing goes for uh, the kind of connection that you're referring to with your question. I, I hope it turns ar- around or, or people swing back. There's a swinging of the pe- pendulum or something. Well, I hope it does, too. I mean, you know, and and let's talk about love for a minute and relationships for a minute and, you know, moving forward in that way, Uh, especially in the context of some of the things that you talk about in the book. uh, Yeah, uh, I remember a quote from your book, you know, making love does implement that there is actually an effort and work involved with it, that you actually have to, yeah, you have to take some time to do this. And yet I know people that spend hours and I'm not going to mention their name, but on a dating online dating service, because they, they clearly say we just don't live in an environment where that can happen anymore. Mm. So is that considered working quote at it? (laughs) Well, it's certainly, um, it's an efficiency model of love. You know, uh, people are busy, they're up to their hoo-hahs and busyness, and who's got the time to go trolling out in the, in the love marketplace for Mr. or Mrs. R- Miss Wright, you know? So they're, they're turning to online dating services that, that sort of cut down the, the you know, the, this uh, time that it takes considerably. And, and I do gather that there are people who do hook up and do get married uh, mm-hmm. from these services, and I sort of understand especially some of the sites that are very scientific. You know, they have a, a hundred questions, and the idea is to really find people who are a match. And a lot of people consider that that's a better bet than just, you know, the, the random let's, let's throw it against the wall and see if it sticks approach. Right, uh, right. And I, so I, I do sort of get that. Uh, but ultimately, when you meet a human being, then you have to relate to a human being with all of their complexities and all of their agendas that sometimes run counter to yours and, uh, you know, all of the, you know, the places where you're not a perfect match and you're not perfect soulmates. And then you have to deal with real hard human stuff. And I'm just concerned that I don't know how well trained any of us are. I mean, I've lamented this ever since I can remember. When, Uh When I was in all through schooling, not once was there ever a class offered in Relationship 101. Right. You know, or how to be a green consumer or, you know, just stuff that would come in extremely handy. I've not once used trigonometry to my to my recollection, (laughs) you know, but uh, these are the kind of skills that we really need in order to make things work. And, yes, making love takes work. It definitely takes work. And and that scares a lot of people. Uh, People think that, oh, if I've got to work at relationship, it's not the right relationship. And when all it really means is that these are two human beings who who need to come together and figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, doesn't you know, that also, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that's you. That's right. Greg, doesn't that also, I mean, let's talk about it. Doesn't that also, um, what's the word, transcend into relationships we have that aren't love relationships? You know, work relationships, the new paradigm, as somebody said to me, between the boss and the employee, you know, the new ways we work together, virtually, Skyping, you know, you called it FaceTime, 
um, because that is something else. But here we are in this world and we have people. I, I was on the phone this morning, by the way. I was on the phone this morning with somebody that I knew was a service person in another country. And it didn't much matter to me where they were because there's a certain level of respect that I grew up with having been in the service industry that I pay to people that are doing that. But are we losing our sense of what respecting each other is about? Hmm. Well, um, that may well be. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that uh, respect, one of the things that's high on the list for me of what respecting looks like is listening. And um, I often, terribly often, find that people stink at listening. They, they really do. And, and uh, you know, this is part of somebody once told me that in a, in a conversation between two people, the listener should be as tired as the talker after 20 minutes of, of interaction. And I was really struck by that because I was sort of listening as just kind of chilling, kicking back, taking it in. But listening is a very active verb. Um, and uh, that to really he- not just listen to what somebody's saying and try to understand, but um, hear what's in between the lines and hear the subtext and hear what they're really trying to communicate and what's trying to emerge um, in the conversation and to really connect with another person. And you can tell pretty quickly when and when that's not happening. You know, if you say something to somebody like, I had a terrible day today, mm. and their response to you is, me too. <laughs> that is right there. They've switched the conversation to themselves. Rather than saying, oh, that's too bad, what happened? That's the difference between, um, you know, making it work and making it not work. Pulling the energy back to you and making it about you and really connecting with another person. And it's that subtle. So to listen to the conversations you have with people and see how often, and I've been, I've been humbled on a few occasions how often I, I do that, and I'm pretty sensitive to it, you know, when I switch it back to myself. And just to look at it at that level and to see where is energy being drained out of this relationship, you mm-hmm. know, out of this conversation. And to look for the subtle little signs, you know, between me too and, oh, that's too bad, tell me about yourself. To look, to look for the subtle signals that tell us when we're engaged and when we're not. That's really the what? level at which, at which I encourage people to, to uh, consider the whole question anyway of passion. Mm-hmm is to yeah. look for the subtle ways, for instance, that passion drains out of your life, to look for the subtle ways that you can re, you know, re-engage with it. Not the great big, I've got to turn my life upside down, everything's all wrong, but the little ways. There are some days when all I do is I go through my day and I look for um, a dozen little tiny ways that I can bring some novelty into day-to-day living. Uh, because I think novelty is a corrective for the kind of mind-numbing routines that people often find themselves in that drain their vitality from them. So I do things like get up on the other side of the bed than the one I usually get up on, sit at a different side of the table for breakfast, you know, um, order something other than my usual at the restaurant, rearrange one piece of furniture in my house. You know what I'm saying? Just little tiny ways of 
bringing a little bit of novelty into my days. And I think that's the way to look at whether we're talking about work or non-work, vocational or relational issues in terms of passion, is to look for the little ways that you can act on your enthusiasms, your fascinations, your curiosities, uh, your vitalities, and, and not wait for the big burning bush thing. Right. You know, I want to do this. I want to give a copy of the book away. And then I want to ask you a question uh, when we come back from break to talk a little bit about, if we could, talk about, you know, the steps that we can take to cultivate passion, to get it back if we've lost it. Um, And then also talk a little bit about what the question is going to be, okay, I lost my passion. So what? that's where we're going when we come back from break. But before we do, I'd love to give a copy of this really, really great book uh, to someone out there. First caller calls into the show, Benny and Taylor already, 1-800-930-2819. Vital Signs, the book. Greg Lavoy joining me here today. Uh, the Nature and Nurture of Passion, 1-800-930-2819. Uh, give us a call. First caller, we would love to give you a copy of the book. When we come back, we're going to talk about, yeah, should we do this cultivation of passion thing? And, you know, all right, maybe I don't have the passion. All right, is that going to be a problem for me? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. Tune in to the Angels and Answers Psychic Radio Show with Clairvoyance Artie Hoffman and Sky Siegel every Thursday for a two-hour show, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio. Artie and Sky deliver spiritual and motivational messages with passion and a sense of humor. Call in 800-930-2819 for live and on-air readings. Visit ArtieHoffman.com and SkyOfAngels.com. What if there was no right or wrong way to be a great parent? Join Access Consciousness facilitator Glenna Rice as she and Dr. Pat invite you to be the questionable parents you truly are and empower you to know and give the awareness required to create ease and joy with your children. Join Dr. Pat and Glenna as they focus on parenting for the modern family. Tune in every month to the Dr. Pat Show on air and online at TransformationTalkRadio.com. Always inspiring and uplifting, Brenda Thine spreads love and light wherever she goes. Enlightening, empowering, and encouraging readings, Brenda connects with your guides, angels, fairies, and loved ones who have crossed over to provide you with the highest guidance possible to enable you to live your highest truth and maximize your potential. Always light-filled, a session with Brenda will have you feeling wonderful, centered, and ready to take on anything. Schedule your session now at brendathine.com. That's brenda, T-H-Y-N-E.com. In retirement, will you outlive your money? It's a common question for people approaching retirement, but it doesn't need to weigh on you. Ask Ameriprise Financial Advisor Jeff Packman about the new Confident Retirement Approach. 
you and Jeff can break down retirement planning step-by-step to get the real answers you need. Call Jeff Packman, financial advisor today at 425-453-0272. Office is located at 601 108th Avenue Northeast, Suite 1800, Bellevue, Washington, 98004. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., member of FINRA and SIPC. Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, as nationally known guests talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information. Everybody, welcome back. I'm gonna, I mean, Greg. I hope you're gonna come back because I know I didn't even scratch the surface of <laughs> some things I wanted to talk with you about. Um, but I did before the break. We were talking about, you know, passion, and you know, it's interesting because I come. From, I've shared this with our listeners, right? I wish I could say that, you know, my 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 relatives, right, were not passionate. I mean, Benny and I, Benny, we've had my uncle who passed away. We've had him on the show talking about a family eggplant Parmesan recipe. So, you know, I, I come from a family where, you know, meatballs were thrown across the table when they weren't done. Passionate with a capital P. Uh-huh. But, but what happens if I'm not? You know, what happens if I'm like... You know what? This is not of interest to me at all. Are there any negative consequences to that? Well, uh, I, I remember um, Thomas More. He's the guy who wrote the book Care of the Soul. Yeah. He, he once yeah. said repression of the life force is what drives most people into therapy. You know? <laughs> and uh, so I think that there's a way in which if we're not expressing our passions in whatever form, and it doesn't, it doesn't always have to look like kicking up your heels, Meditators can be very passionate. Contemplatives can be very um, passionate. But if we're not expressing it, then we're suppressing it, repressing it, or depressing it. And all of them mean the same thing, pushing it down. And I don't think that you can do that in the long term with impunity. I think uh, pushing your, your powers and your sense of purpose and your passion and your life force, I mean, that's what vitality literally means, um, is going to have consequences, um, not just in your emotional life, but frankly, I think in your in your health. You know, because um, the energy that it takes to um, hold back passion from being expressed, things inside that want expression, um, holding up defenses. This is literally hard physical labor, and it's draining. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the the constant work of inhibiting yourself and your self expression. Um, has been shown to, to weaken immune heart and nervous system. So I, I think that there, that you know, the answer to so what I've, I'm, I'm not a passionate yeah. person is that there are some consequences. Maybe you mm-hmm. stay safe, but just because you're safe doesn't mean you won't be sorry. 
you, you know, I want to ask you, I can think about as I'm reading the book, I, I could think about decisions that I've made in my life where most people would say they were so high risk. We don't even understand how you did that. Then I think about the other decisions I made in my life where I didn't take the risk. And, um, and I wanted to ask you, how does regret show up in all of this, Greg, or, it do- or doesn't it? Oh, uh, I think it certainly can. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just in the sense that it's uh, typically, I think, um, what people regret is not the stuff they did. It's the stuff they didn't do, um, whatever that happens to be, in, in, in any arena for that matter. Um, and, I, and I think uh, letting your life slide by, letting your passions slide into disuse or get siphoned out of you by whatever, stress, boredom, resignation, um, just routine, I, I think can quite readily turn into regrets in people's lives. Um, you know, not that regrets are the worst thing to befall a person, but mm-hmm. uh, the sense of lost opportunity, of lost life, and um, the sense of sitting on the sidelines and watching life go by um, mm-hmm. often turns into regrets for people, I think. Yeah. You know, I, also, I, I want to talk with a little bit, um, and thank you for uh, gifting a copy of the book to our listeners. I, I want to talk to you about the accumulation of that when we're in a love relationship with someone. I know we can go in a lot of directions with others, but I do want to take a few moments to talk about that. Uh, and, you know, how does how does the accumulation of things either contribute to fueling the passion of a love relationship or, uh, dare I use the word, deflate it? So, clar- clarify the question a bit for me. What is it you're asking? Yeah, the accumulation of things like resentments and regrets, ah. uh, especially if we're in relationship. Uh, you know, p- some, some, some researcher said somewhere along the way that one of the least talked about things in our love relationship is money. Uh, one of the most one of the, the the most mentioned reasons in relationships that end is money. Mm. And so, you know, I'm just wondering about the accumulation of these tidbits of resentments, regrets. I wish I should have would have could have things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I personally think and I've seen this happen in my own relationships as well, even in my marriage, is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, the, the accumulation of little resentments or little humiliations or little hurts that don't get addressed when they happen, uh, mm-hmm. they don't go away. They get stuffed. And the closets into which they get stuffed are the soul and the body, which can only take so much, uh-huh. you know, before they just burst open and spill their stuff into the room, you know. But I, I think that the, um, you know, the interesting thing about passion is it's not just about exuberance and joy and love and the up emotions. It's also about the darker emotions mm-hmm. like resentment or anger or sorrow uh, or grief. You know, these are also passions. You know, the word passion, after all, comes from a word meaning to suffer. So it's all in there, you know, you, and you can't ultimately push them away. I remember a, reading about a Mexican poet named Jose Frias who once said, I tried to drown my sorrows with drink, but the uh. damn things learned how to swim. Uh. And I think the same goes for love relationships. If, if um, things are not aired, you know, uh, whatever the passions are, whether they're the, the uh, expressions of the love you feel or expressions of the resentment you're feeling, if they're not aired and in a compassionate, um, you know, working together kind of a mindset, 
uh, they're not going to go away. They're going to compromise the vitality that's in that relationship. And then suddenly when you, um, one Friday evening when you're feeling amorous and you reach for your partner, you're wondering why is he or she cold? Well, mm-hmm. it's not just because, you know, you're not wearing the right lingerie or, you know, he needs to lose a few pounds from his midriff. It's, it's it maybe a buildup of resentments that have not gotten addressed. Wow. You know, thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, I can't believe how quickly the time does go by. Mm. Um, I want to ask you this, Greg. Um, What is the motivation for some of us to step out and take risk again, especially when passion seems like an illusion for us since perhaps maybe it's been so long? What would you like to say in these few minutes we have left to people to fire up their passion? Well, um, what's the motivation? Um, Well, unfortunately, sometimes it simply tends to be our own desperation, which I've come to to see as a good thing, not a bad thing. That Mm. when we're desperate enough, uh, we're tired of our own suffering, and, uh, you know, that we'll finally begin to act on it. But farther down on that continuum, I would love to just say that one of the most powerful practices that I have ever had for myself um, to help keep bringing me back to life is what I would just simply call a mortality meditation. In other words, a a gentle and firm reminder regularly that you have a use-by date. You know, not death in the general, in the abstract, something that happens to other people, but your own personal mortality. And to just Find ways of reminding yourself of that bigger picture. It's like Stephen Covey said in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The second habit was start with the end in mind. In other words, have a sense of where you're headed. And I don't honestly believe it's morbid, but but life-giving, to have a, a clear sense that this game ends. Life is short and death is long. And just to remember, this is your time in the game, and whatever you want to do, or say or be this is your shot at it awesome thank you so much greg for joining me here today please give out your website again let folks yeah. know get a copy yeah. of the book thank you thank you i hope you will come back great yeah greglavoy.com two g's on greg wow thank you one last question short one what's your personal message what would you like to leave us with oh i would say life is so rich and we often settle for so little i would just say remember how big you are remember how big life is and sink your teeth into it i love it greg lavoy everyone uh for more about us certainly go to the drpatcho.com go to transformationtalkradio.com and check us out. Thank you for tuning us in. Thank you for turning us on. Benny Taylor, thank you so much for pushing all the right buttons, picking all the great music, and doing what you do so well. We'll see you next time, everyone.
Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Do you want to transform your life's trauma and challenges into the gift that your life was meant to be? It's time for you to take control of your soul journey to heal, grow, and shine. Manifest your destiny with Wendy Wolf, soul transformer, energy, and psychic healer. To start your soul journey, contact Wendy at HealGrowShine.com or email Wendy at Wendy at WendyRWolf.com and start your adventure today. Sky Siegel co-hosts one of today's most popular psychic shows, Angels and Answers, with Artie Hoffman as she communicates healing messages from the spirit world. These messages can be astounding, enlightening, and life-changing. Born with the God-given talent of inner guidance and the amazing ability to heal, Sky has healed thousands of people. Schedule a reading with Sky now. Call 908-500-1474 and visit skyofangels.com. Tune in to Sheer Alchemy with Leslie Fontaine on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get ready to stir up your passions, remove your blocks, and shift into an entirely new existence. Speaker, teacher, channel, clairvoyant, Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst who channels a powerful energy from source to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show dates and times and LeslieFontaine.com to say yes to explosive abundance. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellness1.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellness1.net. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. Negative self-talk plays a major role in how we create fear and anxiety. You're probably familiar with that worried, insecure, or critical voice that rises from somewhere deep inside, often at the most inopportune moments. You don't seem to choose the limiting, anxiety-triggering, or self-sabotaging thoughts, nor do you seem to be in control of them. Over the years, I've found that rather than ignoring or suppressing these negative thoughts, what works best is to redirect the mind with at least three counterbalancing arguments that shed light on the opposite, positive points of view. For example, if your negative thought was something bad will happen, counterbalances could be right now I'm okay. There have been many times I was worried and everything turned out well. I have the strengths and abilities to handle anything that comes my way. Positive counterbalancing is training your mind to search for and find uplifting and empowering perspectives 
for any given situation. Naturopathic doctor, founder of the Martha's Vineyard Holistic Retreat, and author of the New York Times bestseller, 21 Pounds in 21 Days, Dr. Ronnie Deleuze has helped tens of thousands of people, including celebrities and athletes, with her message of lifestyle change. Now, Dr. Ronnie Deleuze wants to help you. You, too, can be saved. Email Dr. Ronnie Deleuze at info at ronniedeleuzeonradio.com and visit mvholisticretreat.com. Dr. Ronnie Deleuze, your partner in wellness. 